Welcome to Sisters of the Strange. I'm Michelle. Today I have with me my faraway friend, John Evans. Hi, John, and welcome. Thank you for taking the time to come and sit with me today. Well, hi, Michelle. How is everything in New York? Everything is good in New York. It's not raining. It's not snowing. So it's a big thumbs up for me. How are things in Hawaii? Uh, The opposite is raining, but it is nice and humid and... uh... It's okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're sitting around, I think, 50 degrees out right now. So that's that's not so bad because we've had some much chillier weather already. Um, I just want to take a moment to, like, seriously, thank you for coming to chat with me today. I know we've had a time trying to orchestrate when would be good for us to get together and do this since our time difference is like six hours. Yeah, I kept asking you all to let me out of the uh out of the attic. You know, I just wanted to be the ugly sister that got to come out every once in a while and uh <laughs> really need to talk to you and Pete about maybe getting me some air conditioning upstairs because I'm kind of a thicker person and I, I tend to sweat a little bit more. Oh my god. <laughs> you can come out of the attic anytime and you don't have to be my ugly anything. I am you are just a mister here with this sister and we are gonna have some fun. Uh, first, I want to start off by talking about you and what you're what you've got going on. You have a podcast. We want to tell us about that. Well, gosh, going on two years almost. Due to COVID uh, in 2020, my hetero life mate Luke Martin he um had to shut down and in that shutdown period we got like extremely bored and we always talked about doing a podcast and one thing led to another and I finally was like you know what I'm just going to get the equipment and we're going to do it and maybe somebody will listen but if not we can just listen at us ramble on and be stupid (laughs) um so I went and got the equipment we went to his shop which at the time was closed down and we did one of the worst podcast episodes you could possibly imagine. Nothing worked guys. It was just, it was trash. Um, I set up all this equipment. I didn't know how to use it. And the next thing I know, we recorded a whole hour and a half episode on my iPhone. So you can imagine the audio quality. (laughs) We had no topic, no nothing. And it was just rambling and the people that were at the shop, uh, like Siggy, which his real name's Jordan. Um, and then we had, uh, who else did we have? But anyway, I had my son Gavin and it was just, it was chaos. And we uploaded that, um, particular episode. I don't know why, but I did. And it got like 30 hits and I was like, What? people listen to that and i was like okay well maybe there's something here so i need to kind of figure these things out and two years later i we have picked up two sponsors um famous monsters coffee and uh one screener i have become involved in four indie film projects uh the sawyer massacre which we're both friends with steve uh Mm -hmm the uh, Halloween three fan film called the third channel. We're both friends with Michelle Blasky. Yes, we are. Um, I have another film called Z dead in, which is basically like Sharknado, where zombies are raining from the sky. And that has Kane Hodder and Felisa Rose in it. Um, nice. And uh Halloween evil lives, which is a Halloween fan film done by Michael and again, I think you say his last name. I'm probably butchering it. And Michael, if you listen to this, I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm Southern boy and we mispronounce stuff a lot because of Southern accent. But um, yeah, I mean, and now we just finalized having a 
copyright on a production company called Fiendish Fantasy Productions, which is something that I have wanted ever since I was a little kid. So though my podcast ain't Joe Rogan, it never will be. It's more like a poor man's smodcast. It gets listens. We're played all over the world. Uh, you have been a big supporter of ours, and I thank you dearly, and you've also been a great friend. And she's also the holder of the legendary <laughs> decoder ring, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want it, you go ahead and fight her to the death for it. So, <laughs> But, yeah, that's our, our story, you know, uh, the little podcast that could. Well, I I thoroughly enjoy you guys. I mean, your content is right up my alley. You always make me laugh. So I appreciate that you take the time to do it. And I, I agree with you. I mean, this episode right here is going to be my 11th ever. So I think COVID and like realizing how short life is and, you know, you had some extra time to think about what you want to do next. And this was definitely a step where if, if not now, when, like, why not? Like, just give it a whirl. So I appreciate anyone that listens and you certainly have been a super supporter of mine as well. And I appreciate that. And you are a wonderful friend and you are a fabulous host, especially on your live streams. Like you just, you pick great movies to watch, even if it's in the middle of the night for me. <laughs> and I'm prying my eyes open because, you know, we've got to watch like, you know, what was it? Uh, Willie's Wonderland. Was that, was that the last? Oh, like I didn't know what I was getting into at like three 30 in the morning, but what a fun time I had with you guys. So thank you for like continuing to do that. Um, you also, you, you do this other side bit with the 60 days of fright that also is obviously a behind the fiends production, but can you tell us a little bit about that? So 60 days of fright was a thing that I, well, you remember on IG, I made this announcement, like for the next 60 days from now until Halloween, I'm going to give you all these movies. And little did I know I was biting off more than I could chew. And what I mean by that, I had to watch a horror movie every day, though, even though, I've probably already seen that movie. I need to refresh myself. And um, so I decided to make it a series instead of just a holiday thing. But it's a passion of mine. Horror movies have always been something that I've loved. I was that nerdy kid walking around, like I've told people before, with a Fangora magazine stuck in my back pocket. Along <laughs> And in the other pocket, I probably had like Big League Chew or something. But... <laughs> um, it was important to me because it, it wasn't necessarily that horror was a, you know, breeding me to be a serial killer or a sociopath. It, it was the people that made the movies that really touched me, you know, like your John Carpenter's, your Roger Corbin's and all, you know, yeah. I could just go on and on. And the magic of it was they took scraps and made masterpieces with it. And I always appreciated that. And that's what 60 days of fright is. So if you come into those, they're just little short five minute videos. But in that five minutes, I try to give you all the background information I can. I don't give away too much plot and I try my best not to, because I don't want to ruin that if you've never seen it. And, um, but I want you to understand maybe the, the plight or what those filmmakers went through to make that, you know, it makes you appreciate that art a lot more when you know how hard somebody worked for it. So my next one, I think I just finished, uh, gosh, uh, which one was it? Uh, da, 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 da. The Lost Boys. It was Salem's Lot. I just finished writing the script for Lost Boys. Okay, because I, I did see the Salem's Lot, but I obviously, being me, have been waiting for your Lost Boys drop because, yee. <laughs> um, no, you've done a great job with your 60 Days of Fright. It is very informative. It's presented in a very 
nice way. And it does keep it brief for those with a short attention span because there are many people that have one. And it gives you a reason to go rewatch something or even go watch something you'd never seen. I know that, um, what was that movie that you sent me the link to? Um, Dr. Oh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yes. I'd never seen that until you sent me that link after that episode of 60 days of fright dropped. And I was like, this is really good. I mean, I don't mind subtitles. I don't mind. Actually, I don't even mind if there's no subtitles and I have no idea what's actually going on because it was a silent movie. Correct? That one was silent. So the cabinet of Dr. Caligari came at a time in the um, early 19, well, it was around 1922, I think. I think Mm -hmm. it was around the same time that Nosferatu had dropped. Um. German expressionist films were like big. It was basically kind of like how CGI is with movies today. It, it told a story through its, its backdrops, its scenery, um, its abstract art styles and stuff. And when you watched cabinet of Dr. Caligari, I've always argued the point that this was the very first slasher film. It was not psycho. It predated psycho by about five decades, I think. Yeah. Um, it was so many things in one small package. It was psychological horror. It was, um, evil scientist, monster movie, and a slasher film all together. But it told no, it had, it had no dialogue <laughs> whatsoever. But the beauty of it was how it was acted. And you felt like when you watched it, you were in this constant, dream state because of how everything was such a warped reality Mm -hmm. and i argue that we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of this film that's crazy oh my gosh i argue still that nobody has came close to what they did a hundred years ago I'm sure somebody out there will try to do a remake and it won't be the same because they'll probably put dialogue in it and that's where it'll kill it. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you gave me one for, uh, freaks, which Uh. I didn't, I had heard of it, but I never really considered it a horror movie. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, it teeters on the, the precipice of a horror movie, but I'm going to go ahead and give it the nod that it is because it shocked audiences in, in a time where things like that, like, you know, we watched the old King Kong film and we think, Oh, well that looks cheesy. Well, you got to think people in the 1930s, that scared them to death. Yeah. So that's the same thing with freaks. Freaks was the first like body horror movie. I mean, and I'm not going to give away any of it because I want you guys to go out there and watch it. But, <laughs> um, but it also dealt with a lot of social issues like um, what's the best way to uh, being, you know, judgmental of a person because of their disabilities and, and different things like that or taking advantage of people because of said yeah. disabilities. Um, but then people enacting revenge and and it was just the way some of the stuff was shot and todd browning really put his name on the line for that film and todd browning is coming off of dracula so he he was the bee's knees in hollywood i mean he had made universal so much money universal was like we don't care what you're going to do todd you just do whatever and he did freaks and then next thing you know he kind of got blacklisted because of it and it wasn't until the 60s that that movie really got appreciated for what it was i mean i stumbled on it accidentally and it really is one of my all-time favorite movies i think that i think it's amazing that this cast of characters that they got actually had these differences and there weren't like special effects like you know it's like if this person was you know 
a, a little person, they were a little person. It wasn't like a camera trick or, um, oh, the guy without the, uh, the arms and legs, like him rolling his cigarette. Mm-hmm. Or was, like, it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't even like roll a pair of socks together given the day. Cause I can't find the matches. And here's this guy that's like living his life and doing his thing. And like, I just, I was just in awe of all of it. I mean, it did make me a little sad because I felt like people with these, I don't want to say disabilities, but these differences were almost exploited. Like in one way it was, you know, they're shedding light onto people that they may may never have the opportunity to encounter someone like that. And it potentially is preparing them for if they do. But in another light, it's like they called them freaks. You know, by the end, it was like this band of bad guys taking revenge. So it's like, did that like put a stigma upon these type of people because of it? Like Either way, no matter how you look at it, I thought it was so good. And I will recommend that to anyone that hasn't seen it ever. I think the, I think what that movie, I guess it, you know, it's all in how we perceive it. Are they really the bad guys for exacting revenge? Maybe. Um, I mean, if we look at how they exacted revenge without giving it away, um, (laughs) it, but at the same time, when you look at how these people, how the revenge was, you know, or the judgment was passed, the, the, male antagonist they -hmm. took away what really mattered to him and with the female antagonist they did the same to her so it was like a karma play kind of for sure um so it i guess it yeah i mean it's all in how it's perceived i saw it as you know like i said before karma just plain and simple karma yeah uh I looked at that ending scene and I'm not going to lie. I kind of chuckled a little bit because it was <laughs> kind of funny and I'm weird like that, but no, it was, it was, a, it was a perfect ending. Like I didn't expect it and it just, you know, everything happens as it should. So, um, now- Oh, and the, um, the, uh, torso person that you were talking about. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, that, fella was actually married and had children i didn't know if you knew that or not but i I, came across in a a documentary i watched on it i did not know that i'm you know and i'm glad i'm glad that like he had the opportunity to have a fulfilling life and wasn't just ostracized because of he was different because I mean, nope. I think that's really, I think that's awful because people do that now still, and it doesn't matter what kind of difference it is. Like if, if they're made that way, they always find a reason to distance themselves from whomever. When we all should just be coming together to just make this world a happy place where everything's all good. Like uh, John Lennon once said, come together. Right now. now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Now, with your live streams, how do you pick what movies you're going to actually be viewing? So Luke, Luke is not as much of a horror nerd. So it's kind of a unique dynamic. Some people have liked it and some people haven't. I get it. Luke is a very harsh critic when it comes to certain things and he's not one to sugarcoat stuff so he'd be a perfect new yorker Um, but, (laughs) but that's the beauty of him and that's why i love him because sometimes we need that friend in our life that doesn't sugarcoat things and like okay so the way i pick the movies is is he's hardly seen a lot of things so i just say hey let's watch this oh i've not seen it and then we put it on a, what we call the, uh, Swayzometer. So 
<laughs> now, now, tell me exactly what the Swayzometer is so everybody can get a glimpse into it for when they join you. <laughs> so the Swayzometer was something that we came up with back in the early, like, four or five episodes into the show. What it is is me and Luke are super Patrick Swayze fans. Okay. And uh, we always say, you know, does this hold up the Patrick Swayze standards? Because <laughs> we're such Patrick Swayze fans. And I know that sounds funny for two, two nerds and horror nerds, but I thought Patrick Swayze was one of the greatest actors to have ever lived that didn't get quite the due that he deserved um, outside of Dirty Dancing. But... I don't know. I I loved him in everything I saw him in, including his like creeper role that he had in Donnie Darko. Yep. Like I didn't see that coming. I was like, "Whoa, no, no, Johnny Castle, what is going on here?" But like that's a great movie too. And you actually did you covered that on 60 Days of Fright as well. Yep. And um so the way the Swayzometer works is it's just it's kind of like Joe Bob's rating system for like Joe Bob Briggs has. So we'll get done watching a movie and Luke normally most times is like negative infinity Swayze. And I'm always the positive that always gives it at least a one or a two. <laughs> so it's kind of like a crappy Siskel and Ebert, you know? Nice. <laughs> yeah. We're not rotten tomatoes. So probably don't want to certify it fresh if we probably voted on it. But, uh, <laughs> But it was, it's just fun. You know, we get done with the movie and we'll go put it up on the Swayzometer, choo-choo, Swayze train, you know, different things like that. And it's just, yeah. it's just to have fun, guys. I mean, I even have a sticker in our merch store that has the Swayzometer on it. And I've got it stuck <laughs> on my wall right now. And our worst movie was banana split. So I have it like in the red on there. Middle of the road was a uh, phantasm. And then all the way in the green, it says anything Swayze. So <laughs> now what is the actual movie that you guys have watched that has gotten the highest mark on this meter of yours? Um, there's two, it's actually tied. It's a uh, phantasm one. Mm -hmm. And, um, the one that we just watched last weekend, Willie's wonderland. Yeah, that was a really good one. And you said Banana Splits was your, your lowest. Yeah, that's like our arch nemesis right there. That's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> Please don't ever watch that. I mean, if you're like a true horror nerd, then yeah, watch it and appreciate it for some of the effects are actually pretty cool. But if you're in it for story, please don't watch that. It's garbage. Oh, no. I might. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen that one. But if you're saying stay away, I might stay away because you and I seem to have a lot of the same opinions on horror. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the heads up. <laughs> De nada. <laughs> oh man. Um, let's, I mean, I, I really, I want to, I want to just keep talking about you and your podcast a little bit because how many episodes have you done so far to date? A uh, hundred and ten. Wow. That is a lot. Congratulations. Like, that is so many. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you go on there, if you look at our statistics, yeah, we're not like 30 or 40 for like every episode. Some episodes are still in the teens, and sometimes it's like I have to look at it and go, but we've put out so much content in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. How often? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, we just put out so much in such a short amount of time that it's, you know, it's a lot for people to have to pick. So they just say, oh, we'll listen to this one or we listen to this one. And it kind of, it helps, but it, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, there's so, there's some good episodes we got, but they don't get enough love because we've buried it already with 50 other episodes that we've just done. Um, we try to upload at least twice a week and I kind of want to cut that back to once. Mm -hmm. I think that going forward, um, the new year is going to be season two when okay. new year's hits that season two and season two is going to be scaled back a little bit and only be like maybe one upload a week. 
and me and Luke are actually talking about even doing like some skits, like reenacting certain scenes from like horror movies and stuff, but with a comedic twist to it. <laughs> That'll be awesome. And I cannot wait to see it. <laughs> like we're going to reenact the um, scene from Ghostbusters 2. We've been talking about it and we're I'm giving that away on her podcast we're gonna do the scene of when uh the little guy meets vigo for the first time oh gosh <laughs> oh gosh i can't wait for the new year not that i want to rush this one because let me tell you i can't believe it's almost 2022 and i'm pretty sure i spent all of 2021 trying to wrap my hand around 2020 so it's like wow what are we doing here <laughs> but yeah, I can't believe I'm almost um, 46. <laughs> it seems um, like I just turned 40 yesterday. Why? <laughs> um, every day here is a fabulous day to make wonderful things happen. Make friends, create awesome content, share, share, and share. Yeah, but then I have to get up a little bit in the morning to stretch because my, my joints are a little worn out. So there's a little bit of calisthenics involved with oh, let me... making dreams come true. Look, I get that. Like, my good knee is my right knee. I twisted it last week somehow, and it just pops right now. It's like, pop, 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 pop. Every time I move it, I'm like, well, that's bothersome. <laughs> like, seriously. It's like, I don't want to be old, but since I can't freeze, like, I guess I'll just get old gracefully. Or at least tell people I am and fall apart behind the door. Yeah, uh, I, was in, I was in the Army for over a decade, and... uh he wasn't getting old gracefully. It was more like, hey, we're just going to throw this guy off of a cliff. And however he lands is how he lands. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I'm glad you landed safely. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now, you say you're a Southern boy. Which which part of the South are you from? And how did you actually land in Hawaii? So I'm from North Carolina, ma'am. I am a <laughs> Hill boy, born and raised. Um, I ended up here by way of Uncle Sam. He drug me out here to Hawaii and said, well, uh, see ya. And then he just kind of left me here. Oh. Um, no, I retired and I stayed because my son was still going to school. And any of you out there that's ever been in the military or know anybody that has it's not an easy life on a on a on your kid it really isn't because once they start making friends with somebody then they got to pack up and move and pack up and move and you never have that stability that's so important for children to grow up with i know i kind of come from a broken home um so i understand that and with gavin it was like i want him to finish where he started high school, not leaving. So I stayed and now he's out of high school. He's actually in the living room right now, PlayStation in it up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was why I stayed here in Hawaii. Now, have I had thoughts of leaving? Yeah, I have, um, due to some personal things, but I won't bore people with that. But, um, so how long have you actually been in Hawaii now? eight years is it absolutely beautiful there so here's the thing it is um but i also feel sorry for uh, the local population here because the cost of living here is outrageous guys uh, and gals it, it, it i mean when you hear stories where people say oh well you go to the grocery store and the gallon of milk is literally eight dollars they're not lying it really wow. is about $8. Um, if you're a smoker, uh, I feel bad for you because a carton of cigarettes here runs about 140 bucks. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it, it's just terrible. And it's because so many rich people want to come here and nothing against the rich. So don't beat me up, rich people. But so many rich <laughs> people come here that when you get a, conglomerate of rich people into an area what's going to happen to the cost of living it's going to go up so 
all these people come to Honolulu and Waikiki and they, and then they go on the windward side of the Island where it's all nice and rainforesty and looks like what you see in the postcards for Hawaii. And they set up shop there. Then it drives up the cost of living for everybody else. Mm. And the local population here, you know, there's families. I'm not even kidding. There's like some people that I know and I hate putting it out there like that, but they still live at home with their mom and dad. And then they're married with their children and they all live in the same house together because they can't afford not to. That's terrible. So I mean, but it does actually create a nice extended family unit going on. I mean, I know like when my kids were little, I hated that. Like, moments were divided between it was just me and the kids or it was just me with the kids like with my mom or me and the kids with my dad like it was never all of us at the same time ever so i guess maybe that part is kind of nice and the fact that like they're relying on each other and supporting each other is a very nice thing too i just wish your cost of living would go down so everybody could be a little more comfortable I mean, I work a good job. I mean, I'm a mechanic outside of this podcast gig. Um, yeah, guys, I don't make any money on the podcast. I give a lot of money, but I don't make it. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, same thing I'm sure with Michelle. You know, it's everybody looks, I bet you make great money. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, <laughs> my regular job is where I make my money, and that's what helps me to buy the stuff that I have for this. But... I work at a body shop. I'm kind of like geek squad for cars. I do a lot of computer work, so I make pretty good money. And I was a mechanic in the army, grew up turning wrenches, but there's a lot of folks here that don't have that, you know, that kind of stability. And when COVID came, I seen so many local businesses here that I love that, you know, local restaurants and, there was an old guy that owned a just a little mom and pop's convenience store across the road mm-hmm. where I would go and get my favorite beer because he was the only one on this island that carried my favorite beer and he closed down and this was just a sweet old fella, just an old hippie guy that now I don't know where he's at. Um and it it's it's sad, but at the same time I never really hear too many of the locals complain. And that's a testament to them that they're stronger than what we probably give them credit for, you know, to be truthfully honest. Um, for sure. But when you've grew up here and this is all you've ever known, I mean, I get it. But it's not saying that the place isn't beautiful. It is. But I just wish for them, the local population here, the local population that matters, that things were better for them instead of it being all catered towards those with the deepest pockets mm-hmm. your your richer people your your vacationers i assume I, I i would think the tourists are like a lot of the reason that things get jacked up because you expect to pay more for things when you're on vacation like oh i'm away it doesn't matter i'm just gonna spend all of my money here take it all Yep. so i mean and the thing is if people have the money people will price something people are gonna pay for it so it's crazy like i'm very frugal i try to be anyway like even when we go away it's like you know it's like i pick and choose what i want to do what kind of souvenirs i'm bringing home or whatever like one of my my biggest struggles away ever was when i went to uh the secret stash in new jersey i was like i want to bring it all home i was like oh my god behave yourself michelle but it was so hard because it's like okay it's, it's like i just wandered around there forever had a few things in my arm, like, you know, okay, we'll call it a day with that, but oh my god, I could take all of my money, please. So, I get it. It was Absolutely. like you wanted to bring Walt home with you. Oh, he actually, he was behind the counter that day. And I did want to bring him home. I always just, I still have that dollar. It's not a signed dollar, but in my change, I got like a dollar back. And I still have it like in a box somewhere because he was touched by a comic book man. And I'm like, I'm such a dork. But it's like, all things Kevin Smith just make me happy. So I can't even. Um, Now, 
Okay, you said you've had 110 episodes. Mm-hmm. Who, who were some of your most favorite interviews you've done with people outside of just like you and Luke chilling? Um, number one on that list is Andre Gower. And mm. for ladies and gentlemen out there that don't know who that is, um, Andre Gower was, um, Sean. Sean and Monster Squad. And yes. growing up, Monster Squad, I mean, I grew up with Goonies and Monster Squad, but I, though I related with Goonies, I related more with Monster Squad because that was me and my friends growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, just huge monster movie nerds. And that was kind of what we talked about all the time. And so I related with that and Sean or Andre, I should say, he also had a long and awesome career as a child actor. I mean, he killed it. I mean, TV, I mean, he was on TV a lot. He did even the infamous ET Atari game commercial. Yes. (laughs) uh, If you haven't listened to that episode, he actually says that for some reason, there's people out there that blame him for E.T. being a terrible video game, even though he was just the kid in the commercial. It was a terrible, uh, it was a terrible video game. I don't blame him. It was terrible, though. <laughs> um, Andre is just the most humble, down-the-earth person. And you, I know a lot of celebrities in Hollywood, whether they're A-list, B-list, whatever, they get a bad rap and people are like, oh, well, they're just probably egotistical you know, buttholes and it it, it just, it, not all of them. Now Mm -hmm. there are some, but Andre's one of the good ones. Um, for him to take the time to come on a little no name podcast to me, told me that he is all about giving back to everybody that's ever supported him and especially his fans. And, like I've told you, Michelle, you need to reach out to him because he would give you the time of day. He's just that. I mean, I literally just sent him an email saying, Hey, Mr. Gower, I'm a huge fan. Would you like to come on? Yeah, let's set it up. I was wow. Like, really? That's, that's really great. I mean, and I agree with you. The monster squad resonates with me a whole bunch more than the Goonies does. Like I like the Goonies, but I like the fact that they gave, a family-friendly introduction to, like, classic horror movie monsters to such a young generation. And, I mean, you can offer it to all of the the new generations because I think it is, like, a fabulous introduction where, you know, it's a little creepy in, like, parts, but it's not, like, super-duper scary. And the kids are relatable. The, the friendships that are, you know bonded in that are are relatable and they're fun and it just it made it made you want to go do this kind of stuff with your friends when you were like that age like i i love that movie like hands down anybody that wants to get their younger kids into horror like not like four younger but eight nine ten even this is a great movie to do it with yeah, and sadly, my favorite character from that movie was Horace, who they called Horse in it. And he was famous for the line of Wolfman's Got Nards. And yes. Sadly, we lost him. Uh, gosh, I want to say was back in maybe the 90s or early 2000s, but I guess he got pneumonia and he passed away. And man, I wish I could have at least had the opportunity to have talk to him because out of all the monster squad members he was my favorite because i was that little chunky kid that got picked on so i did relate to him a lot (laughs) oh i'm i'm so glad you know i loved your episode with andre and he did he did seem so just sincere and down to earth and he does he appreciates that movie and what's what's their um what's their documentary that they were doing he and uh ryan lambert that they did 
Oh, it's actually um, Wolfman's Got Nards. That's what it was. I'm like, why do I? It's like tip of my tongue, but not there. But I mean, I love that it's like they can still connect themselves with this movie and it still speaks to them. Like that says a lot about a movie to me. I mean, I think that a lot of celebrities, actors and actresses, they've done a role and they've moved past it. And it's like, oh, I was in that. I barely remember that. But with this, this is something that people still gravitate towards. And I would love, I would love to see some kind of like, not a reboot, but like some random sequel where like, these guys are the parents now and their kids are dealing with the same kind of situation, maybe different monsters just to give it a little freshen up kind of thing. But I think it'd be fun to see them back together, like in a movie um, and not necessarily a spoof. Cause I really, I don't, I don't like spoofs. I don't like the, the cheap cash in of like something that I actually enjoyed once. So um, Andre, I, me, well, me and Steve Merlo actually tackled that one together. Um, and I think Steve might've been the one that asked him that question. And Andre said that he's not against it, but the story would have to be right. He's not just going to do it for the sake of doing it. And I appreciate that because I don't want just a cash grab. I, want I hate cash grabs. Something. I agree hundred percent. And it, it's sad because, you know, they lost one of, obviously, the kids that you just mentioned. So there'd be that void there, and that just makes me feel sad. But, yeah, um, I keep meaning to maybe kind of talk to Andre and see if maybe, you know, um, Brent's sister would want to come on the podcast and maybe just talk about him, you know, the, the guy outside of the character, not the actor, but the actual real genuine human being, because he seemed so beloved by everybody that was around him. Mm-hmm. Like he was just so full of life. When I watched that documentary, they talked a lot about him and it was just sad that to be that young and just pass away from pneumonia, which is something that normally kills the elderly. You don't hear too many, you know, younger people. Yeah, but he was, I don't know if he was overweight later on, but I know as a kid, he was like me, he was a Husky fella, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, but still it's sad. Um, now there's another actor in that, that I bet you didn't know this, but he played uncle Rico in Napoleon dynamite. Um, he played the Wolfman in this movie, Jonathan Grease. Oh my gosh, he did. Yep. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even make that connection. That is wild. Holy cow. I didn't know it either until, um, Andre brought it up. I was like, oh my God, you're right. (laughs) It was Uncle Rico. Oh my God, that's crazy. (laughs) Jeez. I I love that you get like celebrity, like known celebrities on your show with you. And I absolutely, I love that you get like people that haven't made a name for themselves yet too. Like, I I appreciate the fact that you have this natural ability to reach out and welcome guests onto your show and like hang out with them and let us get to know them. So thank you so much for that completely. Oh, you're welcome. And look, I, this is my thing. I would rather build my podcast around giving people a platform, artistic people with something, you know, that they want the world to know about. And maybe I don't have the biggest soapbox for you to stand on and preach it to the, to the heavens, but what I do have, you're welcome to it, you know? So I would much rather invite I invite bands. I mean, and yeah, I'm more of a horror podcast, but I love music. Always have. Same here. I I grew up in a family with a musician. My father, I can't play a lick. So, you know, don't ask me. I've heard people tell me that, oh, well, John, you got a pretty good singing voice and you've heard me on the podcast. I like to sing from time to time. I don't have shame. But I try to give everybody from comic creators to 
to movie makers to musicians that just want that you know somebody to listen to them i try to give them an outlet to put their stuff out there i really do and i would much rather be known for that than to just be a joe rogan where i've got snoop dog and nothing against those people but like snoop dog and all these other top celebrities i would much rather give somebody a shot that doesn't have that big following for sure and i mean like it's like that word of mouth thing it's like if you tell one person and one person enjoys it they're going to tell somebody else so it's like you you're creating a network for these people and i just i think it's wonderful i mean i definitely at some point want to be able to do that myself again i'm really new so things like that just make me a little nervous because it's like oh i don't know if i can interview well or not and it's like i don't want to waste their time you know what i mean but i just i think it's like fabulous that you can do it with and it's really with such ease because you just you seriously have this way of just being able to sit down and talk to people and you're very you're very well spoken i mean you do your research like i mean i'm a girl where it's like hey let's talk about this because it's fun but it's like you put in that extra work and i really appreciate that and i hope to be as good as you someday so thank you for the lessons you offer to someone like me that is new you're welcome but i'm gonna give you i'm gonna let you all have a little peek behind the curtain i don't <laughs> do that much extensive research i really don't i um if you are a musician i listen to a lot of your music and mm -hmm. i try to learn a little bit about the band members uh if you're doing a movie i'll watch your movie and you know it, it's not necessarily that i you know sit down well i'm gonna learn this person in and out uh that's the power of the internet now though kids uh you can go on there and most people have a website and you can find out anything and everything you want to know about them or their social media so it's really easy and don't sell yourself so short, Michelle. If <laughs> look, if this dummy here can do it, you can too. <laughs> Thank so. you. And you're not a dummy. Like, <laughs> the friendship we have formed has been so wonderful. And I do, I thank you so much from so far away from you. Like I, again, you entertain, you entertain me. You, you've befriended me, you support me. And I just think I, I thank you. Like, I don't know how to not thank you. Oh. So having you here, hopefully is a start to thanking you and like having you back with Luke in the future, I will continue to be thanking you. I'll, I'll make sure I put a little bit of a restraint on Luke. I know he's like that little snappy dog. I'll, I'll, I'll put a muzzle on him. <laughs> he kills me though i mean on your platform it works and i i eat it like i eat it up i devour it like on here we i am a little bit more reserved so thank you for that when the time comes he's my jay that's what he i tell is. people when you look at me and him we are a poor man's jay and silent bob i'm just not silent but yeah well i mean you're you're kevin smith yeah. because my encounter with Jason Mewes, he's, he's Jay. Like, he's still him. So it's like, you guys are the real life Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Because Mewes is kind of like all over the place when I saw him. I was like, okay. I'm like, he doesn't have to act. He just has to remember what Kevin wants him to say. Because this guy is this character. Yeah, like, um, Kevin's, if you've never read, um, God, what is that book called? It's one that Kevin just did his autobiography. It's got the, uh, the poop word in it, but, um, <laughs> and I don't want to say it cause I don't want you to get <laughs> at me, but um, it's, uh, <laughs> he said that when he first met Jason, it was like he met this force of nature that just was not necessarily the most positive force of nature, but was a force of nature. And it was this young kid walking around an arcade and he was just proceeding to act like he was doing something with arcade joysticks. <laughs> and, um, it was something that was not family friendly. And, uh, Kevin was like, I've got to make a movie with this guy. 
<laughs> and That's so funny. He was a hang around. See, Jason is much younger than Kevin Walton and um, Brian. Mm-hmm. So he became a hang around with Brian and um, Walt. And it was through them that Kevin met him. But Kevin at first was, you know, like, I don't know too much about this kid. <laughs> but now you can't, you can't see one without the other. And no, you can't. They are forever linked. They are, they are our generations, Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, Cheech and Chong. That's exactly who they are. They're soulmates. Like it's amazing. They really are. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the an evening with Kevin Smith Q and A's that he's done. Mm-hmm. I think those are a blast too. And it's like so silly because it's like I just I seriously could sit and just watch anything he's done just over and over and over again. I mean, yeah. Tusk ah, Tusk was a little tough. <laughs> Okay, I didn't see I didn't see Yoga Hoosiers because Tusk was a little tough. But I didn't mind Red State. And obviously everything in his like view askew universe itself starting with clerks and moving on. Like I just you 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 find yourself building a relationship with these characters that he's like based on people he knows and started because I believe he said that um the character of Randall was kind of loosely based on him. No. um, So Dante was based on Kevin. Randall was based on Brian. Um, okay. They, that store is an actual store, the quick stop in New Jersey. I'm pretty I've sure. I've been in front of it. I've got a picture of me in front of it. It's somewhere, but yeah. It's the most famous convenience store <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Um, but Kevin and Brian worked there. Now, according to the autobiography, Kevin had dropped out of Vancouver film school and he just went back home and everybody was like, yeah, look at that Smith kid. He's a loser. He went to film school was talking all this noise about, he was going to be this great film director. And now look, he's just this loser working at a convenience store. But Kevin had made a deal with Scott and, uh, what's his cameraman's name? Uh, Anyway, um, that when he went back home, if they decided to do a project and, and do a movie, he would support them. But if he wrote a script and wanted them, then they would come help him. Dave Klein, Dave Klein, the, um, the, the camera. Oh, okay. And, um, so he wrote the script for clerks while working at the store and he got inspired because of the banter him and Brian had back and forth <laughs> all the time. And, so he just based the movie around that. And the reason it was shot in black and white was because I think it was cheaper, but I always tried to say it was because you're seeing the movie through the security cameras in the stores. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Uh, but it was, you know, Dave and uh, Scott came and they slept in the floor at Kevin's house uh, in New Jersey. You know, and Kevin sold off everything he owned pretty much to finance that movie. I think he maxed out a couple of credit cards, sold his comic collection, a bunch of other stuff. He made that movie off of twenty five grand. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I mean, it's still it's still such a well known movie. Like you can't hear the name Kevin Smith and not think about Clerks. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many good like just so many good one-liners in that movie and all the other ones, like things that just stay with you. And like, you can turn them into drinking games. Like, you know, my husband and I, we, we talk in like TV and movie quotes all the time. And I mean, we revisit like Kevin Smith often because you can. So I catch myself singing berserker sometimes. So <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, I'm more of a goodbye horses girl <laughs> because that scene just kills me anyway. I can't do that. Um, I had to leave that one to loop. <laughs> Let's see. Have you have you ever been starstruck by anyone that you've had on your show? Um, outside of Andre, I would have to say Sarah Verzetta. Um, and the reason why is because of who her family lineage is. For those that don't know, 
Sarah Frazetta is the granddaughter of Frank Frazetta. And I know a lot of people outside of comics don't know who that might be, but he might be the greatest artist in the history of comics. And I am saying that ahead of people like uh, the King, Jack Kirby, uh, Steve Ditko, Neil Adams, all of those. And all of those are great, great artists, but nobody changed the landscape quite like Frank Frazetta did. And uh, Frank Frazetta evolved. He started out, you know, as a comic artist. He worked for DC Comics. He did horror comics um, for a long time. But then when the Comics Code came in and EC had to shut down because of censorship, um, he reinvented himself and became a just, I mean, if you've never seen his uh, Deaf Dealer, his Conan, all the paintings that he's done, it's some of the greatest work I've ever seen. Um, you have some of his art at home, don't you? Yep, or is it in the comic book shop that Luke has? Um, Luke has his uh, Vampirella. And okay. I have his, uh, I think it's a little bit of an earlier work that he did. It's kind of called The Monster Party. And it's mm-hmm. like um, Basil Rathbone and, um, gosh, uh, Bella Lugosi and Karloff and all those different ones, but in their actual monster makeup. And then in the background at the castle is like King Kong and all that. So it's more of a fun kind of drawing. But Frank Rosetta, I mean, when I got to meet his granddaughter and Sarah is just a beautiful, beautiful person, not just as outwardly as a woman, but just a person in general, just such a salt of the earth person. That's amazing. Is there anyone that you would like to have on your podcast that you either haven't attempted to reach out to yet or you've attempted but they haven't gotten back to you yet? Like, who's your who's your dream person to sit in with you so, and talk to them? Well, outside of Kevin, um, <laughs> I would really like to have Jason. Um, and Jason might be more feasible than what Kevin is because Kevin's that dude's busy all the time. There is not a all the time that he's not got something going on. Um, but as far as horror, mm-hmm. I have wanted Felisa Rose and I've reached out to her on Twitter. I've taught, I even talked to people with slasher 15 productions. I think last week, no weekend before last. Mm-hmm. And she does projects with them. And I even reached out to her of uh, through tagging them as well and Twitter and I get it. She is just a ball of energy. I mean, she's on Joe Bob's uh, last drive-in. She's doing all these, you know, indie films and she just stays so busy. But it's like Miss Rose, I'm over here. I want to talk to you so bad. <laughs> and for anybody that doesn't know who she is, she played Angela in Sleepaway Camp and obviously through the franchise itself, but. She's, she's just seems like she is so much fun. She, to me, was the most adorable slasher villain that you could ever possibly imagine. Now, if you've not seen Sleepaway Camp, I'm not giving any of it away. It has probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest twist endings ever. <laughs> Which yeah. at the time in the eighties, it you might not have saw it coming too much. It's a little bit more kind of a, you know, you can kind of hypothesize and say, okay, I kind of know what's going on, but I don't. Um, but she was so adorable as a little kid, just yeah. cute as a button, and she ends up being the villain. But go watch it, guys. It is a it's a classic. Luke didn't care for it, but that's Luke. He doesn't, he doesn't care for that. But you know, see, I have I have a super big soft spot for that movie in my heart because there was one time I was at my grandparents' house, and I'm not sure where my grandmother was, but my grandfather and I were hanging out, and he's like, "We'll put something on." I was like, "All right," and I mean, I was pretty I was pretty young at the time, so it's like, "Oh, there's this thing called Sleepaway Camp on," so put it on, and we're watching this movie, and I'm thinking it's just going to be like a kind of family-friendly kid movie. I'm sitting here watching with my grandfather. Well, it was not (laughs) family-friendly. 
It was not kid friendly at all. By the time we got to the end of that movie, we both just looked at each other and it was like, don't tell them that we watched this. Because like, okay, first of all, we probably should have turned it off like 10 minutes into it starting because it wasn't age appropriate for me. And then we continued to watch it. And by the time we got to the end, it was just like, oh my goodness, what did we do? So it's like, don't, don't ever tell that I let you watch this. It's like, don't tell that I watched it. Holy cow. But I, I do, I have, I have a lot of love for that movie because of that. It's such a clear memory of time I spent with my grandfather back then. Yeah. It, um, for as cute as she was, uh, let's just say miss little Angela there, uh, wasn't so nice. No, she was very vindictive. Well, it's one of those things where you just can't poke the bear. Like you, you can only deal with so much before you snap on any level. And I mean, she had a lot going on. Well, it, I've always argued that she was the most sympathetic of all the slasher villains because this kid, if you watch it, this kid goes through a lot and a lot in a short period of time and there's a lot that she's having the process i mean even from the time that before the tragedy happened in her life i mean she was dealing with a lot of stuff and mm -hmm. it eventually just got to a boiling point and she freaked out well i can tell you i was terrified of a curling iron because of that movie for quite some time yeah. I was like, what? I was like, no. So, yes, I mean, hats off to the, the the horror that she brought. Like, I've got, I actually have a signed picture of her in my studio that I just look at from that movie. And I just, I love that. I love that. A friend brought it back to me from a con that they went to. And it's just like, look at that. There it is. And I just, I love stuff like that. So. Yeah, and still to this day, she's what got to be uh, in her fifties now, and I argue that she is still drop dead gorgeous to yeah. this day, and just as sweet as can be. And and you watch her on um, she's on Joe Bob Briggs' uh, last drive, and she is uh, God, I don't want to give it away, but she's <laughs> she's a certain male member part um a specialist on uh there for a particular reason that relates back to sleepaway camp so like me and michelle said you just just watch it and then you'll understand yeah for uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> well you're gonna have to keep me posted on to whether or not she and her people ever get back to you because i do think that would be an awesome sit-in for you and i would love to hear it uh how about you who's a uh, bucket list Oh, you know, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm so excited to do each and every episode. Like, I just, I want to have a good time. I want people to be relaxed, have fun. I love talking about, obviously, your horror, um, true crime, which I really haven't gotten into that much because we're really just coming off of horror season and then paranormal. And I just, I want, I want to have so many people on, like, I don't even know where to begin. Like the fact that I could get you in this room with me while you're still in Hawaii was fabulous. I was like, oh, let me, let me try this. So that's fun. I mean, I would love, I would love to like have like John Carpenter. I mean, I, I would never be able to get him because I'm so like new, small peanuts, whatever, small potatoes, however that expression is. But somebody like him, like talking to him would be amazing. I don't even know if I'd actually be able to say anything and I would just be in awe listening to him speak. Like, I, I just like, come up with your own questions, guy. Just talk to me. I just want to hear it. Really? Um, hmm. If I can get Andre Gower mm -hmm. and Sarah Frazetta, and I've even talked to Ari Lehman, who played the first Jason in the very first Friday the 13th. Yes, you um, did. I, I never got the interview, but I did have correspondence with him. But sadly... He's touring with his band, which is a punk rock band. I don't know if it's punk rock or more rock, but it's called First Jason. It didn't pan out, guys, but I still was able to talk to somebody who scared the bejesus out of me as a kid, you know? So oh, yeah. 
that was still special to me that I did have some correspondence. Maybe sometime later on I can get him. But if I can talk to them people, so can you, Michelle. Don't say it's not sure. I mean, John Carpenter came from nothing too, you know? That's true. I mean, he, seriously, the spit and the string and the pure, like, will to, like, get that movie made that's turned into literally a household name like it was amazing i i have so much i have so much respect for him and i don't think i've seen a film of his that i haven't enjoyed on some level yeah i mean i'll even go uh even farther back uh if nobody's ever seen assault on precinct 13 go watch that that was a movie he did before halloween and that is an awesome awesome film yeah um, if you're into crime uh, thrillers and stuff, it's basically the story of a police department getting overrun by a gang, and then the inmates and the and the police have to fight off the gang. But it was a shoestring, spit and polish movie. Um, but it was the kind of the catalyst that got him to Halloween later on. I I don't know. I mean, we could. I'm afraid to start talking about Halloween because I feel like we could land there for a while if we were to begin. So I'm going to good lead in into our subject that we were going to talk about. That is true. So until next time, everybody <laughs> stay strange.